This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, this is Dewey from Pure Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels. There's the $5 level and the $10 level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out, um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in-person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, it all costs money, and I always try to find the best deal for sure uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help uh, bring more in-person interviews, more travel more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of a, uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free, uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, you can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go, um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way, and uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing, and I thank you so much. Hey, this is Blasco, host of Manage Mental, part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Manage Mental brings you our takes on the modern day music business and how we mentally approach the profession of management. Join Mike Mowry and myself as we cover hot topics in the industry, answer fan questions, provide insight on sales numbers, and showcase new music with a slant toward developing artists. Listen and subscribe at JabberjawMedia.com.
What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have an old buddy of mine from Alaska. A lot of you probably know who he is, Mr. Ryan Soley from The Builders and the Butchers. He's also from The Born Losers, a band we talk about a bit on the show. Used to play with my old high school and right after high school punk band, nice guy Eddie back in Alaska. Uh, we get into some funny shit on this episode. Uh, we've known each other a long time. Kind of lived together at one point uh, when I was crashing at his place in between tours for a while. All sorts of hilarity. Uh, his daughter makes a few appearances on the show, <laughs> bringing us cupcakes and, or excuse me, muffins that they had made that evening. We did it over at Ryan's house here in Portland, uh, which is an amazing house. We had a sweet little man cave downstairs where we did the episode. And so, like I've said before on the show, I love these in-person interviews. They're a lot a lot more personable. There's body language. I mean, it just feels a lot more real than on the phone or Skype or any of that stuff. But sometimes that's all you have. But my buddy Ryan Soley uh, has had a very successful music career with the Builders and the Butchers. They're still doing a lot of shows where they do fly-in dates or go to Europe or, you know, all of them have families and jobs and everything else and, and just know what it takes to keep going and just making some amazing music. Um, I've always looked up to Ryan from day one. Uh, he was always older and always into different things than we were, and I always admired him for that because a lot of people in our scene went the same direction most of the time. And it was a very incestuous kind of scene where everyone just kind of gravitated towards something and then would you know laugh about it later. But anyway, so when all the bands were coming down doing Screamo stuff, he was doing this crazy like kind of backwoods Americana, like really, really cool stuff. Anyway, so enough about that. We're going to get into the episode here. We are on purepleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. Everywhere podcasts are available, uh, Apple Podcasts, definitely rate and subscribe, tell a friend. I know you guys do that already, but I always say it just so I can drive it into your minds to do so every single week. Uh, Rockabilia.com, over 500,000 items in stock, ready to be purchased. Licensed band merchandise, I'm sure you could probably find some of the Builders and Butchers merch on there. Um, I know they just released a new t-shirt with the original first album cover, which had been requested quite a bit. Um, you can definitely f- check out their socials for that information. But rockabilia.com definitely helps out the show, helps out the network. They've been sponsoring the show and network for months and months and months. Uh, and the code for 15% off is PC Jabberjaw. So head on over to rockabilia.com now and pick yourself up some sweet licensed official merchandise. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with my good friend Ryan Soley from The Builders and the Butchers.
if you're ever looking for a couch that's similar to this, uh, Salvation Army in Gresham. Salvation Army in Gresham, the family store. The family store. The family store. They have these couches. <laughs> these are, they just have them? Yeah, this company doesn't accept returns, so they, as a public service, they just send them back to the Salvation <laughs> Army, and they're fucking amazing, and it's like this weird hack okay. of, of, you know, cool, good They couches. do that with mattresses at the Goodwill and everything else. But. I wonder about a Goodwill mattress. I've had one. I've, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've had one. My mom bought it for me, and uh, we gave it to my sister-in-law, and she referred to it as the Book of Mormon, because <laughs> it felt like sleeping on a Book of Mormon, like it was literally that hard. Oh. rigid and yeah. I thought you were I thought it would be like the kind of sex that's happened on that Goodwill mattress would be like Mormon-esque in its in its conservative nature <laughs> the dirtiest most repressed sex oh, ever yeah. yeah you took it a diff- I'm just thinking they're like all missionary and no you're like nope it's it's a whole nother thing <laughs> just pee in me just, just pee in pee- me oh my god, that's what the mattress says it has a slit on the side just Peter man just oh my just god <laughs> You're already soaking it. Just yeah, just, it. Yeah. oh my God. <laughs> it's not sex. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good, sweetie, but thank you. I'm I'm good with the one that I have. Thank you very much. Thank you, Clementine. Do you want to say hi? Do you want to say hi on the interview on the microphone? To all the people? Come on over. Ladies and gentlemen, Clementine. <laughs> That's very sweet. Honey. What kind Thanks. of muffins are these? Um, Poppy seed. Mm-hmm. Man, that's good. I got a drug test tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Starting a new job. I love you, sweetie. Bye. Okay, okay. So just to, just to make things clear, <laughs> we were not having that conversation with my daughter in the room. Just, she came into the room from a whole other part of the house. Just be honored, out of out of earshot. <laughs> Jesus. We are in the basement uh, yeah, right. of this fantastic home here uh, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, of our minds. <laughs> so one more thing before we before we get into everything else. I saw the weirdest thing on the way over here. I was here about I was about ten minutes early and so okay. I full disclosure, I pulled over and just waited because I didn't know if like bedtime was going on or what. Totally. Like we had to set time, so I didn't want to show up, ring the doorbell and hey, totally. still up. I pull over, this person looks at me. And turns their car around, whips it around, and parks in front of the car. Okay. Like, okay, maybe they're going to visit somebody. Maybe they're looking for the address. They get The guy gets out. He's mm-hmm. in the middle of the street on his cell phone. Then you see all this commotion in the car, and his kid gets out. This little okay. kid comes around the car. They're both standing in the middle of the street looking at the ground. And then I look down. There's a turtle running across the street. No, there's not. Yes, a turtle running across the street, but... The weirdest part was, I was like, okay, he's on his phone, like, probably asking, what do I do? Like, animal control or something. Like, hey, there's a turtle lost here, and they're trying to be sweet and mm-hmm. save the turtle's life from getting killed. Mm-hmm. So, initially, that's my thought. Then, <laughs> the guy is so focused on the turtle. Like, his kid's probably five years old, in mm-hmm. the middle of the street with him with no shoes on. Mm-hmm. And they're maybe affluent a little bit. It was a nice rig and nice clothes. It wasn't like uh, some dude yeah. and his kids getting out of a van. But... A car speeds around the corner, and he grabs the turtle and runs ah! with it and leaves his kid in the fucking street. <laughs> Doesn't even turn around for him. The kid ends up running after him, but the kid almost got clipped by the car. And I'm like, what is going on here? He literally picks up the turtle like this and just like daintily runs off the street with it like he doesn't want to drop it. That's a story that I wish that I don't even know what to say. That's amazing, though. 
It's crazy. And then he puts it on the sidewalk, and then they just get back in the car. I'm gonna. We should go after this. We should go on a turtle hunt. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was going. It was like literally just like flapping around the the whole thing. But this whole this whole like turtle thing brings me back to a story we'll talk about later. But because you and I have known each other a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those listening, this is Ryan Soley from Builders and the Butchers, Born Losers, just a, a man about town, man about, about everywhere. But I want to talk about later on, I want to talk about the piranhas. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the house. The piran- yeah. I want to talk about this, this, this whole amphibious thing. I, yeah. You also had turtles, I believe. I had turtles. We, I briefly lived with you in a basement at the brick shit house. We'll talk about yep. that. Uh, but this whole turtle thing was like this premonition of, wow, everything, this just solidified like it, two major topics. It's fucking just, I love it when cosmically <laughs> shit is on, on point. Yeah. It's know? literally at the end of your block. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's where all this happened. Was it up the hill? No. It was, so if you go down the hill to Fremont, it was on yeah, Fremont. on Fremont. Right okay. at the corner. Yeah. There are a lot of turtles around. No, no. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a turtle farm somewhere yeah. around here. So people, yeah, turtle turtle mill. Well, speaking of those turtles, do you want to talk about the turtles later? We can't. We can talk about it. I mean, this is just as free form because okay. you and I have known each other so long. Okay, there is no structure here. Like this was just going to be a fun, but we'll get to everything. But well, I, I, you know, those turtles that we lived with, I put them on Craigslist when I just didn't. I couldn't have turtles anymore, and um. Put them on Craigslist. You're not supposed to do that, but you, but I did it, uh-huh. and I got the first call I got was a guy, I don't know where he was from, but he had a thick accent from somewhere. Yeah, and he goes, "How, how big are the turtles?" And I was like, "You know, they're adult sized." And he was like, "Okay," and I was like, "How big is how big is your tank?" And he's like, "Oh, I don't need a tank." <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm like, and I was like, click. You're turtle not eating, soup. You're not eating my turtles, dude. Oh, are they juicy? Well, they, uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you feed them? <laughs> you don't want to know. Do you pee on them? Do you, no. All the time. Uh, I've been told turtles, you can't touch them or you can get salmonella. I, Is this bullshit? I think that if you were to like touch them and then lick your hands a lot. Okay. Like I think if like a... I think if like a three-year-old is touching turtles and mm-hmm. doing that's not a good thing. But I think if you just wash wash your turtle hands, okay, don't be a dirt bag about the turtles. Yeah. I know it's hard. Spe- <laughs> Speaking of dirt bags, and today my daughter, uh, she, <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> we were hanging out today. We're at Winco shopping for groceries, and mm-hmm. she's like, you know, grabbing all this stuff. Like we're putting meat in the cart or whatever, and she's grabbing hamburger and all this stuff. And then she's like playing around the coolers where they have all the meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's literally like, oh, man, my hands are all all cold. Blah, blah, blah. It starts oh, licking God. her hands. Oh. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm warming my hands up. I, By uh, licking them? Oh, I don't know what's more horrifying, the meat or like the people hands that have been in yeah. there grabbing for the meat. Because Winco's dicey on meat. It's, it comes from like Chile. Who knows how long that pork took to get here, but... It's cheaper. If it comes from Chile, it's that's good for Winco. It yeah. comes from hell. <laughs> it's like the meat of shit, shit. It's the fucking worst. It's all the roadkill that's yeah. that lived a horrible life and went to hell. I have a I have a weird shopping thing. I can't be in a store for more than like seven minutes. So you I, don't have a Costco card? Is what you're no, me. Okay, God. I get anxiety in there, man. Oh my God. I'm just like literally. It's the only place where I feel like I'm dying. Yeah, is the store, but that's not here nor there. 
<laughs> That's just there. Oh, God. Okay, so I, I'm going to go back to my first memory of you, because you and I met through music. Yeah. Uh, you were an Anchorage guy. I was a Wasilla guy. Yeah. All this worse. So we never really hung out together in Alaska. It was always like at shows. That's a common story about Portland musicians. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Everyone kind of moved down this way. We moved down because it was cheaper than Seattle. And yeah. we had friends that we could stay with for the meantime. That's And that's also common. Yeah. Like it's, Portland used to be the cheap little island. Mm-hmm. And we had, uh, I mean... You and I played shows. Uh, nice guy Eddie was our band in Alaska, the, just a high school punk band, uh, trying to be Green Day, then trying to be Blink One Eight Two, trying sure. to be whoever. And you guys were always different. Like you guys had this different sound. And at the time, we hadn't heard like garage rock, like Mercy Devils and shit like right. that. We had not heard that. So I was like, dude, these guys are crazy. Like, what? What is this? You know? Like we heard you guys first. Um, and that's the Born Losers. And uh, Gabe and and uh, Ben and everyone. Mm-hmm. anyway, a lot of good people. Alaska band people are amazing. Like I, I mean, it's just such a good group of people, and everyone kind of stays friends. And either yeah. whether it's on the outside or or like close circle. Um, but the first memory I have that I could go back to was when you guys went on. I think it was the Fairview Rec Center. I don't think we played gigs together. Um, I think it was the Fairview Rec Center and. The dead baby jokes. Oh and yeah! I was like, dude, this guy is fucked up. Because <laughs> your stage presence is amazing, and but it's also like if your first time seeing you, it's like, dude, this guy's fucking crazy. And then Ben's <laughs> fucking crazy. Like, it was just, it was, it was madness. But then the dead baby jokes. I was like, oh my god, I didn't know how I felt about him at the time. Well, sure. And then <laughs> that's the whole point of yes, dead baby joke is exactly. to make you feel bad. You had so many of them though. Like it just. It, and people were laughing, and I ended up laughing by the end because like, right. this is great. Uh, yeah, I, I don't tell. Like, I think that you grow. I mean, I don't know if if uh, other people who tell dead baby jokes can speak to this better than me, <laughs> but I feel like you kind of grow out of dead baby jokes. But yeah. then I feel like you turn like maybe seventy five. And then you kind of have license to to do them again, <laughs> you know. Maybe someday you could kind of like be like, "Yeah, I, I've got, it. I'm fine with that." But I think that um, the whole thing about being for me, about being like punk in a punk band was just like be offensive on every like push it. Yeah. So if that means if if I'm around, let's say I'm around a bunch of jocks that don't like gay people, I'm going to yeah. act super gay just yeah. to push it. Or if I'm around people who I think are conservative, whatever, I'm going to tell a baby joke. Just not because I believe in the joke, but because mm-hmm. I'm there to offend. Like the whole point is to offend. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can do some. You can do some damage, but you can also do some some amazing things when you do that because it yeah. forces someone's mind to expand. Yeah, totally beyond their comfort zone, and that was always so fun because Alaska, I I am convinced, is a few years behind. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's you're right there. Fashion to music to everything, yeah. and they everyone thinks like I, it's weird to say now playing so many shows in my life, and you have too. Right? How it's I, like, I don't know how to say it. How important every show is to abandon Alaska. Like they are prepping for it. What yeah. they eat that day. Yeah. Like it's like they're going on stage for a billion people. Yeah. I any band you open for, this has been my experience at least, any band you're opening for who's from out of state, 
half of your set is just you looking at the band that you're opening for, hoping that they like you because it's so it's such a big deal. It's yeah. like, I can't believe we get to like do this with this band who's a thing from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember I like when we opened for the Murder City Devils at Coots, Chilkoot Charlie's, if you're not from Alaska, this it's a horrible place, but they <laughs> used to have some good shows. Um, I like had to I shit like six times in the gas station across the street. I was so nervous. I like had the Chevron just like every five. I, mean, I got to go again, guys. I, Jesus, I, I, I can't hold ball. anything in. I was like, it was like a Mercy Devils colonic. Uh, by the end of the night, it was amazing. But uh, but yeah, that's I, you're right. It's a big deal. Yeah, everything. It's like you're you're in, and it's like holy shit. So I think you don't take shows for granted. It's a different. Like even seeing a show there of a band, like you just you go wild, like it's like a it's like special. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is, and it's it's so strange. Like, and I mean everything from those pre pre show rituals to I mean, and then what it takes to do a show in Alaska too. And I I think it's a little easier now than we were up there, which everyone would have always say. Right. Um, oh, it's way easier now than when we had it. Right. Because we'd have to like scrounge money together and rent the Fairview Rec Center, or uh, when gigs was still around, uh, get yeah. in with whoever and and uh, that worked there and try to get shows or get on opening for somebody. Yeah. Which we never did. We got the bad religion thing uh, at the Egan Center, but it was yeah begging Golden Voice forever sure. and sure. Uh, finally coming through. But even that was crazy. Like the yeah. the. Uh, being able to back then there was the internet wasn't much so you're calling on the phone and i had my dad's giant brick phone yeah, yeah, yeah. waiting for the call but you guys <laughs> it was always it was always the anchorage kids and the wasilla kids and mm-hmm. wherever else uh yeah. soldatna or, or whatever but the anchorage music scene was crazy because we always wanted to go in and play anchorage yeah we're just playing house parties in wasilla but yeah um so i want to jump i want to jump way back here and, sure. and get to some of the stuff in the very beginning like were you born in Anchorage? Yeah, I was born in Anchorage. I want to know what your upbringing was like because yeah. that's something we've never d- jumped into yeah. together. As long as we've known each other, I mean, we never talked about. It's that. a lot more no- normal than you. I just basically was raised by like kind of a single mom, and you know, we just did what we had to do. And uh, we had, I moved to Seattle. I would say a big part of my musical journey was moving to Seattle for my junior high years for like seventh, eighth, and ninth grade in nineteen ninety. Okay. So like that's when Seattle was happening. Mm-hmm. And so I went to these shows and it was just like holy shit. Like it was just a music it was like watching music bloom. Yeah. And people were swept up in this thing and these little shows were like just packed and the and the mosh pits. I mean it was just like this whole thing. And so that's where I was like this is what I want to do mm-hmm. on some level like this I want to do I want to feel or create, help create something that's like a part of this deal. Yeah. And then, you know, like heard the dead Kennedys for the first time in like ninth grade or something. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is changing my world. And then opened up into everything else, you know, Operation Ivy and Minor Threat and all Mm -hmm. that stuff, all the the staples of, you know, punk rock. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. And you got exposed to this super young. I mean, so you had that advantage too. Like you'd watch these people perform. Like I remember, we had to order 
uh, bootleg videos on VHS totally. from like the back of a magazine. You couldn't just go on YouTube and watch it. Yeah. So if you didn't see Nirvana live, you didn't see Nirvana live unless it was on MTV. Right. But if you were seeing bands like this, I mean, that that brings a lot around to your stage presence and things that you saw and absorbed and then took and made your own or, or you know what I mean? It all yeah. goes into a blender and it all comes out somehow. That, yeah, that explains a lot. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, I I think that a lot of the realizations I'm making. I just turned forty. A lot of the realizations I'm making at forty about my musical journey, I'm only realizing now how they fit together. It was not none of it is none of it is or has ever been like con- a conscious decision mm-hmm. of like I'm gonna try to do this. It's always just like this is what I feel like doing and just kind of get it out. Yeah. That way. Okay. And so you were doing shows at what was it uh, like Rock Candy and and uh, what were the other venues around back then? Well, you remember the, like I lived in the Burbs, close to Seattle. So there was like okay. the Redmond Firehouse. Did you guys yes. ever play there? We never played there. We yeah. saw shows but there, but that was like a legendary spot, and that's where we would that that was like the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, it just like the level, like there was blood on the floor. Like like people would hurt themselves and celebrate with each other. Like it was a cell, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it wasn't, it was just fucking, I, I find myself, it was just such a different time in like music, yeah. like, and, and what was happening. It was really, it was really awesome. Yeah, that, you know? of course. I mean, you were around for things people would only dream about seeing. Yeah. And there's like, there's like the kind of like the, the grunge bands that, you know, obviously got pop success but then there was like a next level of just incredible 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 bands yeah yeah and i mean the firehouse we were i had uh johnny from the blood brothers on and they they did their live dvd there i've seen jungle I've seen rules them live there, yeah. or whatever it's crazy yeah it's so and so what brought you what it was probably work related right for your for your mom that brought you down there that brought me down there and then then back then we decided we wanted to live in Alaska and so we came back up to Alaska in 10th grade okay and so I started going to East High and immediately like formed a band with Ben uh-huh and my buddy Mark and then that kind of slowly morphed into the born losers okay and nowhere fast and then then the born losers okay and did you yeah. meet Gabe Castro as well at East yep yeah, at East okay. High, we were fifteen, or he's yeah. fifteen, and I was sixteen when we met. You know, like yeah. that's, and I'm, he was started to get into that kind of stuff, um, and so we just started like sharing music, and and that's when like, just like just before bands like the Murder City Devils and those bands started rolling in Seattle, but we were starting to get into like, Teen Generate and like uh, there were some really good Japanese good garage rock bands we were mm-hmm. listening to at the time, so. That all kind of went into what was influencing us. Okay. We were never really into like the, the whatever you want to say, pop punk or, I mean, I, there's bands I love out of that, but the stuff I really truly love was like the rock and roll based punk rock. Okay. If that makes sense. It does. It does. And that's something where we were different big time because we were gravitating towards, but it's also like... I could see the attraction to the other to what you guys were into because you can play that stuff. Like yeah. it's easy enough to play. That's exactly why we were into the other stuff because it was easy enough to play. Right, right. You know, and it wasn't as super technical. Like I don't. I think that's why. I mean, a lot of uh, Alaskan music. Like there wasn't a lot of like thrash metal and things like that because no people couldn't play it. Right, and it, uh, it's all like punk rock or or garage rock or just like the dirty like. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Well, well, you're talking about the um, 
solidness or the whatever you want to say, cohesion of the scene. Yeah. And I think that is a huge reason for that. Like, I don't necessarily think uh, a scene, like, if everybody can do it, the pool's going to be bigger and, like, more collective or whatever. Mm-hmm. If this is, like, music for musicians, which is, like, highly technical, whatever, that's something else. Yeah. This is, like, a punk rock, hip hop. It's all about, like, um, music for. It's almost like the new folk music or something. Like it's music for the masses. Yeah, it's unifying. Like it's, it's yeah. it, and the, the cool thing was how incestuous too. Like the music scene was because there. It, like what they say in last, you don't lose your girlfriend, you lose your turn because oh of the, fucking, the, the the ratio or whatever. The odds are good, but the goods are odd. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other. That's the other one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it was so incestuous. Like with with uh, yeah. Travis. Travis listens to the show. Travis Wisner, um, T Bird. He was in, I think he counted like 17 bands in yeah. Alaska, like yeah. because he was a drummer and yeah. you needed a drummer, you need a bass player. Like yeah. guitar players were a dime a dozen, but right. it was very incestuous. So I, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Travis was in this band. I just want to shout out to a band called Blanket from Alaska uh-huh. from back in the day. Like they were doing, it was like kind of like Hum. Uh-huh. It was, they were just different and like Hum or like, um, um, God, I can't think of anything today. Ah, Sunny Day Real Estate. Okay. Like, th- and that's no band sounded like that. And no. it was so cool to see a bit like any band that wanted to branch out from like that punk rock thing and do something different was mm-hmm. like, oh, fuck, cool. Sure. And yeah, yeah Travis is. And then you had Rumple Foreskin with Mickey. <laughs> best band uh, name ever. Best so, band name to this day, I yeah. think, is, is uh, Rumple Foreskin. Th- their, their first show or one of their first shows. They just came out and they had a bunch of like hot dogs wrapped in condoms <laughs> with like a bunch. They were just lube, lubed up and they were just tossing them at like the audience. And Mickey came out with a dildo with like a pig on it, uh-huh. like just stuck on the dildo throwing these hot dogs. And a hot dog just like hit me in the chest, <laughs> but like stuck just for like three <laughs> seconds. And then it was like, uh, you know, uh, you know, just like, but that's that's like. Like awesome, yeah. Like it's like yeah. Let's nobody's gonna forget a Rumpel Foreskin show. Sure. And up there, I mean, that was. It seemed like it was the thing to do. Like people, like going back to people getting so excited and prepping for these shows and everything. Like, hey, go buy a bunch of hot dogs. This is gonna be hilarious. Or like yeah. we threw, we threw, uh, we made a bunch of buckets of Knox gelatin. Yeah. Because yeah. we could throw it at people and it would just like disappear. Like, yeah. It wouldn't stain their clothes. We were being gentle about it. Like, oh man, you guys were so nice, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were just tossing and that was part was of your covered. band name, actually. Exactly. <laughs> we were not dickhead, we're Eddie. Just nice guys, Eddie. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Well, <laughs> so uh, going back to Alaska, like everything. Everything kind of came together. Everyone's playing shows together. Everyone's going to college up there. Yeah. I mean, there was always, and you always had, you were kind of a mystery to me for a little while because you were, you were always this dude in a band who I was looking at, this guy's crazy. And then as we kind of got to know each other, then I'm finding other things like, oh, he has an actual job. <laughs> he's a, he works for the Forest Service or something. He's a, he's a, he's a Forest Service guy. I was like, what? Yeah. Like all of us are working at pizza places and fucking Walmart. <laughs> trying to get by but no ryan is educated ryan has a job well, and it was always like this fascinating paradox like okay okay i'm seeing you were one of the first guys i knew that had a real job like a career yeah i mean i i don't know i just was all, i was a fish biologist a fish biologist yeah which it sounds like a joke after the seinfeld <laughs> is that a fish biologist <laughs> 
The ocean was angry today, my friends. Where <laughs> 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 he holds up the yeah. golf ball and Kramer throws up almost. Like just, hmm? but, yeah, so <laughs> we could just talk about that actually. Is anyone more. here a marine biologist? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, there is a podcast yeah. about Seinfeld. Have you the, seen it? No. Uh, I, no. What's it called? Is, is they it, go through episode by episode, oh, and great. every episode is them di- a sign cast. Oh, great. It's going to change your whole world. Uh, man, I love this whole thing because, like, anything you're into, yeah. there's a podcast about it. And but, we will get to Tour Punisher because okay, I, yeah, I, I yeah, want to yeah. talk about that too. Um, that's but, awesome. Um, yeah, but as far as being a fish biologist, I love I love being outside. I love um, I love the water. Yeah. I love fish. I, I like I'm into that whole thing. Um, but and I did I, I went to school and got that degree and got that job. What I realized though is, as you move up in that kind of a job, the things that you enjoy about doing that job go mm-hmm. away, and you basically have a, have a desk job. Okay. And you're managing people is not fun. And so I really would want to stay at a base level biologist, like just field guy, but that doesn't really pay. Yeah. And so I started doing the calculus in my mind and I was like, I'll do this as long as this is here. But if, if I ever have an opportunity to do music and mm-hmm. take that, I, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, anyway. And at this point, it was still just playing shows like local shows. Yeah. You had not achieved the success musically that you have now. And, and, uh, that was so fast forward you moved to portland when did you move to portland uh, yeah. and also fish biologist sounds like one of those jobs where you have two dart boards with words on them and throw darts at them <laughs> to name your band like <laughs> we are fish, fish biologists bi- fish biolo- yeah um i moved to portland 2000 halloween day of 2003 halloween's a significant day for you it, it is yeah we'll get it, to that it too, is but. it's crazy it is uh and i keep 2002 having- 2003. 2003, okay. Yeah, and we and I moved down to all the other guys from the Born Losers had moved here. I was the last one to move like by a month or two, but we were all they'd been practicing songs and writing songs. So I just came in, I was just going to sing and we were going to do this band. Mm-hmm. So I came down here to do this band and we were doing it and playing shows and it was and I came into it with the same kind of mind as an Alaskan mm-hmm. of like, "Oh my god, we got a show at the Twilight." Yeah. Holy shit. The Paris Theater oh shit. Well, no, I remember I'm gonna yeah. Our first <laughs> show ever was at the Paris Theater, which is I just our buddy Joe Simon, I have a uh-huh. five year text chain with him going that's welcome to the Paris Theater where and it's the worst band name you could think of. <laughs> and it's like uh, hundreds long uh-huh. and it's amazing at this point. Every other day we send each other. Do you and, remember the band you played with at that show? Railer. Railer. We opened for Alaska. another Alaskan band, We Railer. played with the Fats. The, what's the Fats? The Fats. It what's was an fats? awful band, of course. Not the Miss Fats. The Fats. No, just the Fats. Okay. So it was Nice Guy or no, A New Hope. We were A New Hope okay. at that time. That's yep. when we went straight up like... Um, Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> Star Wars. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea that Star Wars was called that. Or that episode was called that until years later. You're like, we should call our. This band is a great first. name. This yeah. is a great name, man. It's positive. Yeah. Like, yeah. cool. A New Hope, the Fats. That's great. Paris Theater, and oh. I had no idea it was a jerk off theater before that and after that. Did you slip around on the stage? That's what. Gosh. It's so weird. You're like people have been. Like during the day, people have been ejaculating where I am playing music right now. <laughs> like just minutes before and during the set, and not but, for the same reason they used to. Right? It's be, yeah. Okay, it's yeah. I had no idea. I went up in this little room. There's this guy, Larry Paris. Yeah. They call him. Yeah. 
uh, him and I were kind of, I would do like, I would sell tickets for other shows and shit trying to get us in there. Like, yeah. At the Paris, you get us to get us in. And there's this guy, <laughs> Hugo, apparently, that was like into bo- little boys and stuff. Oh, and no. He was his partner, yeah. his business partner. And uh, so we realized we were like pimping shit for awful people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But we got to go up in the little catacombs area oh, on top, man. and where they used to, where the, the the projector used to come through with all this shit. And then Larry's like, "Yeah, I shoot porns here on the weekend or whatever." And I was like, "Okay, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, <laughs> that would explain all this and this and this and, and the all mattress the dicks against and everything." The and yeah, yeah. the yeah, uh, yeah, awful, awful place. In 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 fairness, pretty much every green room everywhere has a bunch of dicks it does let's be honest it does and there's some amazing (laughs) oh i've seen some dick monsters that you wouldn't believe like (laughs) dicks for fingers and hands and head just dick heads that are it's 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 a whole like it's a coffee table book Uh uh-huh like somebody needs to take pictures of these dick pictures sure. and make a coffee table. Sure, book we've talked about doing that at work with the shitters, like the the Schultzies or whatever, the the porta potties, the yes. shitter art. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. There's true. one that said Obama cloning station with an arrow pointing to the shitter, and oh. I was just like, Oh my God. That's yeah. That's horrific. It, yeah, it's that's, awful. That's, but there's some epic dicks in there. That there's dicks that are making the art, and there's yeah. dicks not literally. Um. But anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Paris Theater. Railer, Paris Theater. Railer, Paris Theater, first first show. Um and it was it was fun. I remember though, like the tw- we played the Twilight was our home bar. Okay. That was where we played a lot. And that's in Portland here. Free shows. Free right? shows. They're all free. They're all free. You okay. might if you play there, if you if you kill it, you might get like fifty bucks. Okay. If you don't, then you get beers. Yeah. Um, but like uh I remember we had this show and it was like the only show they could have us was this date, and I had like a ticket to Arizona to visit my grandma, mm-hmm. and I paid like three hundred bucks to change the ticket <laughs> so that I could play the Twilight because it was so be- important. No, because I didn't want to lose our Twilight in. Yeah, and now I'm like, God damn! But that was the Alaskan like, <laughs> God, we got to do this right, and I don't yeah. want anybody to. And and then you come to realize like bands are. F- fuck ups and they're idiots exactly like that nobody gives a shit about anything <laughs> like where does that come from though like where does that the, the that like boy scout like yeah go i mean because there's some shitty people up there but even they are just like yes ma'am yes sir i will get yeah, that for that you fr- like it's that frontier spirit yes it's that yeah <laughs> that frontier spirit <laughs> i mean i always i always attribute a lot of things to growing up around things that can kill you that aren't humans like yeah weather animals like it's yeah. not you grew up in the rough part your of your dad you grew no, up just, t- <laughs> 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 just be honest uh, uh, the, <laughs> the uh i mean literally walking to the bus for school you could get trampled by a moose you yeah. could get back and uh frozen to death happened like, last crazy. week a guy got trampled by God a moose up there damn it yeah but people don't respect things anymore no. and no. i think maybe that has something to do with it because they've got yeah, you're always around it all the time. You got to yeah. be aware. You're like that deer that's like, huh? Yeah. Okay, I'm comfortable. What? Like, yeah. You're just constantly going so, crazy. So maybe you're kind of like more cognizant of, of fucking up, and you want to do things. Yeah. Maybe that's. I don't know. Generally, I, yeah. It that's seems like it's bred into us. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. With with everything. Yeah. Not just music. Like, yeah. I, if we're if we're ten minutes late to a venue, I'm like upset and freaking out. And nobody cares mm-hmm. except for me. The venue yeah. doesn't care. Nobody cares. But I'm like, 
guys and all the guys in my band are like we are the most fucking on time band in the world because of you <laughs> it's true my wife hates it i'll leave an hour early for something and she's like what the hell are you doing i'm like yeah. i'm not gonna be late yeah for anything but i mean yeah. the show especially rolling and then it's always uncomfortable when you get to a show that late like yeah. you're literally loading on while the people are staring at you yeah and then you got to try to put on a show i love the thing where you're late you're three hours late you're questioning whether you're even going to be able to play the show mm -hmm. based on your set time you get there and you set up and then somehow you have a great show yeah like when that happens i feel like we were talking about this on, on the podcast that we do I, I feel like it's absolute magic yeah because i'm like i'm pissed off and i'm and then you start and you're like holy shit this is this is going pretty well yeah this is okay this is gonna work we're out gonna do this and it's like actually up. makes it better because it was so bad and now you've overcome that to make it awesome and you got the story along with it too yeah. where it's yeah. oh my god are you enjoying the show if you are definitely head over to apple Podcasts, google play stitcher anywhere you're listening to podcasts wherever you're listening to this podcast right now throw us a five-star rating or a review we really appreciate that it helps the show out big time so like i said if you are enjoying the show head on over and give us a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you consume podcasts thank you Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and it, it can go either way. It can really go either way, and yeah. it's very rare that it goes the way you're talking about. Very rare. So that's what I think you always remember those. Like, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, but so sorry. First show, Paris Theater. You're that's you're down in Portland, 2003. <laughs> yeah, Halloween. Born uh, losers are doing their thing. Yeah. How long did that go on until uh, it kind of stopped? Like it, it ended there. I think everyone well, kind of it didn't end, but. Yeah, you guys had to come back too. But then when I was staying at at the brick shit house on Lincoln, yeah. uh, in the basement, you were doing music with this dude who I'd not met before. Yeah, and it was super interesting, like like country kind yeah. of stuff. And they're like, "Oh yeah, Ryan's doing that now." And I'm like, "That's interesting," because literally everyone in our group was going to, including myself, was going towards this like screamo hardcore like yeah girl jeans and uh <laughs> which i never wore that screaming girl jeans <laughs> i didn't think they made them in my size but gabe proved me wrong but i never took that route yeah i'm proud to say i never put on girl jeans or guy liner or anything <laughs> just because i was the big guy so right. uh, yeah I, I didn't dye my bangs a different color i didn't fucking put a bandana on i just never i always felt like the 70 year old guy who was like what is that what is this shit <laughs> like i just didn't and i and nobody ever explained it to me in a way that was convincing enough to get on the train of it yeah i was like okay this is a scene and i'm too old for this like maybe it i don't know what it i'm not trying to be snobby mm -hmm. or whatever i just didn't understand sure and it's a valid thing and the the, the music like i start i got to a point and actually i've reverted back now but there was a point there where the born losers was the loudest, most aggressive thing I was listening to. Mm -hmm. I would play this band and it, and it was fun, but then I would be listening to like all this old. My buddy Brendan, the guy you're talking about, mm -hmm. he's from Alaska and he's he's uh, played music up in Alaska for a long time, and he just did this kind of weird, like old, really old timey, like tinny blues thing and country thing, and something about it really like spoke to me. And I started writing songs a little bit in that vein. And so he'd bring his songs and I'd bring my songs and we'd just do these songs together. And then my buddy Paul, who 
has been in the builders mm-hmm. um joined as our drummer and we would just do these like sets and we our band was called the mcgovern goldwater ticket okay and so that was kind of like the bridge between the punk rock thing and the builders and the butchers yes like that was like that that took me and i was like oh, i can write songs like this and play this kind of music and then i started originally the first four or five builders songs were really just mcgovern goldwater ticket songs okay but I started, I started. I met Harvey and met Ray and Alex and all these guys, and I was like, we should put a band together. My friend Adrian playing accordion, and we started like getting into more just kind of like acoustic sounds and just not plug like thinking of a band as a different thing, like not being a band that goes to a club and plays shows, but we're gonna be a band that like finds groups of people and mm-hmm. just plays in front of them and see what happens. Yeah, I'd heard about the Violent Femmes doing this in Milwaukee. And that's how they started. They would just go to shows where there was a line, like it would be like the Roseland here, and you just play for the people in line. Yeah. And then people would start talking about it, and then you'd play on the street, and then people would start like showing up. They're like, I heard that you're playing in here, so I just wanted to hear you again. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Really? And then that's that build from there. Crazy. Yeah. So I I remember that guy walking into the house because I was was staying there not for too long, I don't think, but... I don't remember. I was so transient for so long, but the I was rarely upstairs. Sure, like during the daytime, and this dude just kind of walked in. I was like, "Hey, how you doing? Cool. Mm-hmm. How you doing?" Got a guitar case, and then just goes up to your room or wherever you guys were at, yeah. and I would just listen. I was like, "Man, this is really good." And it was never, and I was always just like either on tour or wherever else. So I I was out and away, and then come back, and then things are starting to happen. Like, right, there's this new band, and blah blah. blah. Guys are playing, like you said before the show, or in front of the stage <laughs> right. while the bands are setting up. Like, yeah. Um, so when you transferred over to, you guys were called the Funeral Band, right? That was yeah. The, originally, we didn't have the Bills and the Bushes, so we played our first handful of shows as the Funeral Band. Okay. And you yeah. would play between when bands were setting up between, like yep. the whole set change time. Yep. Yep. Which is fascinating for one, and then yeah. like <laughs> little shit like voodoo donut, like the small voodoo donuts. Yep. Shit like that, like yeah. the stuff people, the voodoo donuts people line up around the right. world for now. Yeah, um, that was, and I was just hearing these things. Like I had never seen you guys at that right. point. Like it was always just hearing this stuff, uh, which I was like, "This is really cool ideas." And then all of a sudden, everyone's talking about builders and the butchers. Like it was like this, like, "Boom! Holy shit! Oh, you're not going? You're not, what are you talking about? You're not going to builders?" I was like, "What?" What, you, what happened? This yeah. is crazy. I feel like it was the same thing. Like it was weird. Uh, it just started kind of collecting steam, and like it, it. We made we. This isn't why. I don't know why, but like we really wanted to make those first shows like a collective thing. So we'd bring instruments. So everybody was part of the band, mm-hmm. and everybody was playing, and so it just felt like this very. Uh, organic kind of growth, and honestly, like. I've talked about this before, but like the the transitioning onto stages or even using electricity at all for the band was has always been and still is like awkward. Like the the true nature of the band is to be on the floor. Yeah. Um, the problem is when you get to about more than forty people, then nobody can hear it. Yeah. So it's kind of like, but the best shows we've ever had. I mean, we're like parties at the fourteen fourteen house, completely mm-hmm. unplugged to like a hundred drunk people like crowd surfing and you're completely unplugged and you're like, what is happening? Yeah. Like that's crazy. Yeah. You know? So well, you guys always held on to that, like that, that sound, I mean, that just that raw sound, which 
I think people really gravitate towards because mm-hmm. even when it's amplified, that the mood is still there. I think the drums have remained the same, like the two drummers playing a kind of deconstructed drum kit. Mm-hmm. So the feel is consistent. Yeah. I think that's kind of helped it. But Yeah. So you guys, I mean, do you remember kind of the moment things started to take off? I mean, where, I mean, all of a sudden I'm seeing like tours with like, oh, well, the weird tours with Thrice. And I know yeah. those guys listen to everything yeah, and they love it and they try to take out bands that they listen to, not yeah. bands necessarily the fans are going to be into. Yeah. And uh, you guys did a lot of weird tours. Yeah, I, I that's true. Basically, you know, I think anytime, <laughs> anytime as a band you start getting a number of outside people who are like music business people, mm-hmm. like label, agent, manager, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, who start knocking, you start to realize like, oh shit, this is this is something and people are talking about this who I don't know. Yeah. And people are talking about this at whatever label place. And our our booking agent like that we got really early on, his name is Kevin French, and he still books the National and the Decemberists and mm-hmm. Tame Impala and you know he's a, he's an incredible booking agent and he really put us on some fantastic tours in the beginning yeah that really we did murder by death yeah that was um, a good fit we went on six weeks with amanda palmer mm-hmm. when she went solo from the dresden dolls and that was her fans are the best music fans there are yeah. i mean uh, builders and butchers fans aside but like her fans are such good music fans yeah and they anything amanda is into they're into um and then, you know, you start touring a lot and you do some opening tours and we did some weird tours. We went on those, the Thrice tour was actually brand new, us Thrice and brand new. Yeah. Uh, Jesse from brand new had just has been a fan of the band since our first record somehow. Yeah. And like he, he was brought us out for those shows and he, so I think that was just a random thing where he became a fan of the band and wanted to have us out in some shows. Okay. Um, the as far as like a, the weirdest fit was when we did like about a month and a half with the uh, Arx Bandits, <laughs> and that was that was a really weird fit. Uh, but we don't have to. Well, that, that yeah, that is a weird fit. And those, how did those fans respond to to you guys? I mean, we we, we talked. Yeah. So basically, um. The way what happened with that tour and those guys are great guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and they get are, requested constantly to be on this show. Like, yeah, I get emails constantly about them. And they I they don't would know have great anything about them. They would have great stories too. They're okay. great guys. When they did that tour, the fans like I I think they would say this. I think that like um, a lot of their fans were into like their kind of ska punk stuff. Uh-huh. And the tour that we went on with them, they released a record that was transitioning away into more like jammy kind of psychedelic stuff and the fans were not happy like a lot of the fans that we talked to were not happy with them Uh and so they really didn't like this (laughs) fucking band that sounded nothing like them from portland like what the the fuck are these guys this doesn't this isn't what we came to see i mean we got like spit on we got treated like there's some great people at those shows but there was also some fucking assholes spit on yeah, like there was just a lot of shitty shit that happened. We also got like a car act, like a like a van. We totaled our van on that tour. It was a brutal, brutal, brutal Jesus tour. Christ! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, I I know nothing. I still have not listened to one Rx Bennett song. I yeah. I don't know why. Uh, a buddy of the of Anatomy's, uh, Rich Balling, like super good dude. 
never listen to his band. Yeah, they, they're good. They're. I mean, there's there's just so many hours in the day. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Like, there's lots yeah. of stuff that like I. I mean, to be honest with you, I I listen to mostly my friends' bands now. Yeah. I, I'm like into. I'm like oh, I know. I have a friend who's like 38 and just released his just started his first band. And release their first record. It's fucking amazing. And he's never done music before in his life. Really? Yeah, he's singing in this band. It's it's he's great and his songs are great. Uh yeah, his band's called Bonsai Cliff. I don't know. Bonsai Cliff. I'll have yeah. to check that out. It's like cool kind of like Ramones meets the cure or something. Really? Yeah, it's great. Interesting. It's really great, great stuff. But like I, I find myself listening to like a lot of my buddies' bands. Yeah. You know, frankly. Well, that's good lately. because he he if he's that old, I mean, that old. I mean, it's in between he's you that, and I. Yeah, yeah. That, that fucking old bastard. Uh, they talk about how you have your whole life to write your first record. Right. Like six months to write the second. I mean, yeah. that just goes right along with that. How do you feel on that sentiment? Yeah. You guys, I mean, because first record comes out. Yeah. Starts getting some attention, but then you have like the machine you're talking about. Like, did yeah. you guys? Was Rich Holtzman managing you guys? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is he still managing you guys? He's he's not officially. Uh, I mean, he, we I work with we work with Rich. Okay, because he is shout out to Rich. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's, but, the best. Uh, he's the best. The best manages Portugal the man as well, and uh, just a good dude. But I had heard that, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Because I yeah. knew he was so busy with Portugal, but yeah. then you guys are getting attention. I'm like, <laughs> oh man, he's going to be. He must never sleep. Yeah, he is great. Um Let's see about the first and second record. We like we basically um, did the first record and and did a tour or whatever on mm-hmm. it, a couple tours, and we were working on songs for the second record. And simultaneously, uh, Chris Funk from the Decemberists mm-hmm. contacted us just very much like through MySpace, yeah, and was like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, I like your band, blah blah blah." And we started talking. He's like, "Would it be okay if I produced your next record?" And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yes, please." <laughs> yeah, and so he kind of like pushed that process along and made it like, "Okay, we got to get dates and do this." And I think that with, I think it's really good to work with a deadline. People talk about that, like, mm-hmm. "Okay, well, we have to have the songs done by this, so we're just gonna do it." Yeah. Um. And so great songs come out of like necessity. I found like sure we need just one more fucking song, and then you go write one more fucking song. Yeah. Um. And so Chris had a limit. Also had a limited number of days he could record and mix. So the album got made. The second album got made very quickly. But 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 those days were like sixteen hour days, and it mm-hmm. was brutal. But like it just got made very quickly, and and I the result was. I mean, I'm very happy with that record. Um, it's the it's our third record. <laughs> I'm not as quite as happy with, but but you know, you just I think that you get into this flow of like doing tour and record and to and then you do all these things and you're kind of like you lose sight of your perspective. Yeah, on it a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, well, I mean, you in, and as things are happening, I mean, you're in a different spot in your life. Every one of these records, yeah, you know, and uh, there's some member changes and things like that, and, and yeah, every tour I think changes you a little bit too. But th- then, what? When did things kind of go to part time basis? Where yeah. I mean, everyone moved to different spots. I yeah. mean, Justin's in Colorado. Yeah. Will, Willie's back in Portland, right? He was he He's, was sailing around the world, like doing yeah. whatever. Yeah, I think that um, it kind of naturally for us, as far as like, there was a moment kind of second to third record where like 
either this is going to really start doing something or mm-hmm. it's not. And it didn't blow up for us. It just didn't. It, it remained the same, if not went down a little bit in certain spots and just kind of like plodding along. And you get to a point to where you're like, could I play 200 dates a year to 50 to 100 people? Is that a good idea? Like you, reality start to set in about this. Is this band going to be something that's like finan- one day financially viable as in like, can we all live off this? Yeah. And, you know, I had a kid and you start to like just life kind of happens for you. Um, but I'll say that like since then, I've never enjoyed the band more. Okay. Because there's no pressure to do anything. And we have, and the the first record has had this crazy long tail where like it sold more last month. Every month it sold more than the month before for 10 years. But, but incrementally, like it's, yeah. a, it's a record that stayed in this weird um, zeitgeist of whatever dark folk something. Yeah. And people have like continued to find it in a weird, in a weird way. And so like, there are people who are just finding out about the band now. It's weird. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like this kind of hidden gem. Well, not even a hidden gem now. Like it's out there. I mean, yeah. it's, but for some people, it's like that just found it. Like, how did I not know about this before? I think that there, like for me growing up, uh, there was, I mean, you could probably relate to this. There was the 20 punk rock albums mm-hmm. that you have to own to like punk, punk rock. rock. Yeah. Uh, and I think that since then, music is like kind of fractured. And like, there's different kinds of f- jazz, and there's different kinds of reggae, and there's different kinds of mm-hmm. like folk kind of stuff. And like, there's a scene with like Murder by Death and Devil Makes Three and blah 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 blah. And mm-hmm. we're somewhere on the lower echelon of that. But I think that first record is something that people who like that scene continue to get. Yeah, who are into that that vibe. That's interesting. Um, that, that's interesting to think about because and and now. Like we used to have to go to record stores and look at you know albums, and this was this our time was after the whole time when vinyl was big, and you know people would go spend their day's wage on a on a seven inch or whatever you know yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. Or, or an hour's <laughs> wage on a seven inch because it looked cool or had this sticker on it or it was featuring this person. Yeah, we were still kind of in the tail end of that. Totally, a mammoth music and all that in Alaska, going around just looking at I mean record covers, and I, I never bought vinyl. I was always CDs just because right. it was already to that point. But now with the internet and streaming and Spotify and everything else, it's kind of this, it seems like for, you used to, so so I guess to put it broadly, you used to have to go, you you wanted pornography, you used to have to go to a porn shop and fucking buy it. Right. Like uh, (laughs) Horse Fuckers 8 or uh, fucking, what was it, Anal Anal Arsenal Arsenal 6. You had to go up to the <laughs> counter and hand it to the fucking creepy dude waiting there totally. or the dude that just dropped out of high school well, that you remember. You used to have to hand him this fucking thing yeah. and put your face on it, you know? I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, I, I approve of this message. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then the internet happened. Yeah. The internet in its infancy, I pretty sure was built i mean we've talked about on the show before like how the porn industry determined if we use vhs or beta totally wanted to use vhs there it is dvd blu-ray or blu-ray uh hd dvds they wanted blu-ray porn wanted blu-ray the world went blu-ray that's interesting 
it's very interesting like yeah to think about how this underground thing mm-hmm. makes more money than hollywood yeah there's also more output from it though yeah but it's behind closed doors until you walk up to that guy and buy it right then the internet comes along and you can look at horse fucking in your basement with no one knowing you're looking at horse fucking totally then with music you can listen to all that weird shit that you don't want to show your face at the record store buying. All the Gin Blossoms exactly. records. Exactly. You can go through all the fuck. You can listen to Snow all day long <laughs> if you want, you know? You can get informed. And, but you can do that. And all those things influence who you are and what your output is. I mean, you could, Yeah. I mean, as, as much integrity as you want to have, and this is all from the heart, each little pinprick from those things it it starts to like i i I picture like this creative like ball Mm -hmm. that each little thing is poking holes in and it's seeping into you like it's leaking yeah so all that crazy weird shit you listen to now for free Mm -hmm. is gonna start creating the most insane output just like because there's no accountability it's like people that go and do and i'm going down a tangent here but no people that do sync work right sure uh, dudes in I've talked to guys in in black metal bands that make Ford commercials, right? And it's total like bro down kid rock, yeah, stuff that they would just love to play, but do not want to put their face or name right. on it, and they can do it, right? And they get paid for it, yeah, a lot of money, yeah. Dude, can you make this fucking rock anthem? Yeah, fuck yeah, I can. It'd be awesome. Get down on my computer. Like it reminds me, like Gabe would make that music on his keyboard yeah. or whatever, and now he's doing it for a living. It's crazy. It, like it's. It is an interesting time because I feel like if there ever needed to be Fugazi, mm-hmm. there isn't Fugazi. Yeah. Because of all of the social movements and all of the things you could think about, like this band coalesces it all onto this message yeah. of no corporate anything and fuck making money. We just want to have a collective thing and make something beautiful. Yeah. But it's impo- It's like, it's not impossible now. We have... We have some friends in this band called And 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 that like are try- are like going for that thing, but it's so much harder because the world of Spotify is against yeah. you. Yeah. If you don't want to be on Spotify, you're you're fucked. Yeah. Like if you want to try to do that, but by being by being in that machine, you've devalued your music to almost nothing. Exactly. Um. And so, and kind of like what gives them the right to put that value on that? Mm-hmm. But what you're talking about is maybe the availability of everything is creatively interesting. Yeah. And it is. Well, it's like, it's like when the whole anxiety epidemic that everyone has anxiety now, right? It's because we are not meant to know what happened to that kid in Georgia at the pancake house getting yelled at by the waitress. No, it's the 24 hour news cycle, all this stuff. And another tangent here, but we're not meant to handle that no. information. We're meant to handle what's in front of us and what we need to eat that night. Right. Like that's what we're meant to have. Music transcends language everything. Like it's 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 this thing that anyone can get into be- right. and they don't have to understand it. They will feel it. Their toes will tap. Right. They will, their head will bounce. The, have you seen that YouTube video of the headbang test or whatever where no. they start playing like the most insane? <laughs> like there's this mega, I forget the name of the song, but there's like, dun, 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 and, and, and you have to stand there and listen to it without going like this, like without <laughs> nodding your head. And the guy's trying so hard and he's, he's legitimately trying. Like he's just like, oh yeah, this is good. 
Oh shit! No, no shit! It's like the dad yeah. jokes thing. You have to pay when you when you laugh at the dad joke, right? Uh, anyway, but I totally fucking lost where I was going with that. You're, I you're was good. going off on a rail, but uh, yeah, we're not meant to handle yeah. that information. I also f- almost feel we're not meant to handle that much music, right? Like we're supposed to sit and absorb a record, right? And then move on to the next, not right. 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. Well, think about why you know. podcasts are so popular. Mm-hmm. Appointment listening. People want to listen to something to distract them from what they're doing. So if I'm driving, I don't want to have to fucking sit here bored driving. I want to think yeah. about something else. Or like so many jobs are just like rote whatever. I know mm-hmm. how to do this job. I don't need to think. So I'm just going to listen to something interesting so my mind can go elsewhere yeah. and think about something and laugh at something or whatever. Um that like um i saw the there's a there's a documentary called the zen i think it's called the zen diaries of gary shandling mm-hmm. and he gave judd apatow his journals when he died and and basically said you could do whatever you want so they made this documentary and he was like a meditation dude always trying to get into the now uh-huh. and always trying to find he's like without that i could be nothing because like my brain wants to go everywhere mm-hmm. and to bring it back to this is like really fucking important Dude, we can go deeper than that. Take me, podcasting. take me, baby. Okay. So, uh, we were talking about the network at the beginning, but, but not the beginning, before we started recording. Yeah. Talking about the network and the pros and cons and all that stuff. So, one of the pros was flying to podcast movement in Anaheim and meeting all these crazy people that do podcasting for a living mm-hmm. that are actually monetizing and making money, you know, making money beyond what I can imagine doing this exact right. thing, just talking to people. There's this girl, Ray. Uh, she, uh, I forget the company she works for, but we were at this mixer or whatever on the top of this hotel and she was talking about how podcasting has become such a thing because when you're listening to someone's voice mm-hmm. in headphones or anything like that and you're doing something else because you're not focusing on it, that person becomes your inner voice and your ah, gets into your psyche and your subconscious. That's fascinating. And then you get drawn to that person mm-hmm. because every time you hear their voice they're back in there and yeah. it's familiar and it's like a warm blanket like you know it was this weird thing that just mind fuck like yeah. instantaneous i'm just sitting there like, and i don't even drink and i'm sitting there everyone's drunk and she was probably drunk too talking about this but uh i was just like uh, okay you just opened up a can of worms here like yeah i 100 percent agree with that right because you're doing you're mowing your lawn and you're listening to us talk about right. fucking turtles. Yeah. Like, not fucking turtles, but turtles. <laughs> or you could if you have the, the you internet. Could. There's you, probably a fucking, yeah, yeah, there's the fucking turtles podcast. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, that gets even deeper into it, like why podcasting. But So there's appointment listening, which means you seek out a podcast. It's yeah. not just put on for you, like the yeah. radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to just take it. Right. It's there. So you're already finding something you want to listen to. So that's why most podcasts get five-star reviews, I think, because, sure. Sure. yeah, you gave me what I wanted. Thanks. Right. You well, know? Well, also, if you've heard about it and it sucks, nobody, if somebody, you know, now now with the review culture, I'm just like, who, who for the fuck, I don't even know what to think. Like, I'm at a bar and basically all the customers are holding the bar hostage because if the bar, if they don't do exactly what the customer wants them to be or be like or not be an asshole or whatever, yep. they're going to fucking take, tank them on Yelp and that bar will go away. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking horrible. Yeah. Like, what about that guy might be having a bad day or like, 
Maybe the food shipment got, maybe they're out of fries. Just yeah. somebody made a mistake mm-hmm. and now everybody's pissed because there's no fries. Or yep. what? I mean, it's like we're in a, my wife and I talk about this a lot. She works with a lot of teenagers and like the way teenagers, because they do social media, they can cultivate yeah. everything that they do and put out there in the world. Mm-hmm. So then that, that matriculates into like their day to day interactions where everything is super cultivated and calculated. And people aren't just we- weird anymore because mm-hmm. they were like, well, I don't want somebody to give me a bad review or, you yep. know what I mean? Yep. It's the eggshells everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's so nuts. It's so crazy. It's nuts. I feel like being 40 is like the new 80 or like <laughs> these kids with their crazy, but I don't know. Anyway. Hula hoops, Pac-Man video games, yeah. Dan yeah. Fogelberg. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the, yeah. It's creating this, this culture of, uh, it's just this yeah just everyone's on pins and needles and that's where that anxiety is coming from totally you but don't want to fuck up that's why it's important podcasting is important this kind of stuff that's almost gorilla still like it's yeah it's unregulated yeah i mean we can say anything we want yeah. as long as we know there's going to be repercussions when people hear it right and write you an email you shouldn't have said that right who cares like we can say what we want we can do what we want we could talk for five hours we could talk for five minutes you know, and there's no end to what you can do there. But these conversations are captured and put there forever. Yes. Like, we are talking about this right now. This might hopefully maybe change someone's mind about something or give them some perspective on things that they didn't think about before. You know, right. just like when you go to college and someone hands you a, a, a ethical dilemma in philosophy class where sure. you're just like, oh, uh, shit, I'm yeah. going to sit and think about this all weekend Yeah. because I want to. Yeah. It's okay. I think that people aren't okay with uh, not knowing. I don't know, or I'm not sure about my opinion on that. Mm-hmm. And people are afraid to say that. Everybody wants to have like, I'm a this, or I'm a that, or I'm a Democrat, or I'm a libertarian, or I have this idea. And like, I really don't know what I think about a lot of things. Yeah. I think that a lot of sides have good points to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- and I feel pretty comfortable yeah. with that. But I think... Maybe because I'm like a little bit older or whatever. I, sure. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, it's a weird. It feels like a weird time to be a a, a parent. I'm like, what world will you be in ten years from now? When I think about the last, the change in the last five years, mm-hmm. and like, wow, what is it gonna be? Yeah, and how separated will I feel from that world? Yeah, because uh, I really feel separated from the world right now. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's going to be harder to be separated from the world then. I mean, everything's going to be everywhere. It's going to be and that exponential growth. Like you think about how far we've come in the last 10 years versus the last 50 years. Yeah. It's insane when they say shit's going to be flying itself and parking itself. Yes, it absolutely is. And it will. But what good does that do for us? Exactly. What like just because it it just makes you it's kind of like we you can get all the freedom in the world, but what are you doing with it? People talk yeah. about oh, VR is so cool because it gives people empathy. Mm-hmm. Nobody's using it that way. No, people are people are not. One so percent of people is using it that way. Yeah, and they they had empathy before VR. Yeah, and it's not going to change somebody to be empathetic. Exactly. Anyway, it's not, and it's it's crazy. I mean, we're losing so many things every day. Yeah, like so many things that were and. It could just be us being sentimental or, or uh, uh, you know, just holding on to the past. But growing up in Alaska, I could go out on my fucking bike 
Yeah. And my mom's like, just come back at dark. Right. Okay. And you're like seven. They had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. At all. Yeah. I don't know if they cared. Right. And they were good parents. Like they, And they were concerned. Like something would come out in Women's Day magazine about drug use or something. My mom would sit both of us down and read us the article. And sure. I mean, she was involved and concerned about our well-being. But also, she knew I was out with Joe. Totally. Uh, whatever, riding bikes? No, I was in the back of a fucking Volkswagen getting stoned at the fucking skate park we had right. built. Right, Like, Or I was out at some party, like, blacked out somewhere until I woke up and showed up back home. Right. Oh, yeah, Joe's mom smokes. That's why I smell. Oh, okay. Right. I mean, those things were special to me because I had that freedom. I could do that. I can't send my kids out on their bike. Right. Ever. But is it because anything will happen or is it because you think something will happen? Like, is there a? I think That's there's a good a, point. I think it's there's a low. I think. I think there's a lower likelihood, honestly, of something actually happening. Mm-hmm. But I think we're afraid that something might, and then also we're afraid of the judgment from other parents because we know they're not going to approve of their, our kids running amok. Yeah. Um, but I think that it actually is. Nobody wants to hear this, but I think it's actually safer now. But that's a good point. Be, but like, if you look at like violent crime statistics, yeah. most of the country that's gone down. Yeah. Um, kidnapping is down. Like nobody wants to say that because we want to think that everything is fucked. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are fucked, but like, it's a safer time for kids to be running around in a lot of ways than it used to be. Sure, that's a good point because also we're seeing all these things that we never used to see. Yeah. So even if it's dropping country nationwide. We would never know that because now we're seeing it every five seconds. Some kids stolen, some kids killed. All that was happening, I'm sure, when I was out on my bike. I find it amazing that people get along as well as they do considering the things that people believe that are different from the things that other people believe Mm -hmm. and how belief has led to so much violence and conflict. And in the United States we are so divided as far as like our beliefs and our politics and our whatever. And yet truly like it's generally safe to go around places. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing to me because other parts of the world aren't like that. Sure. Uh, anyway. Well, that's one thing being a touring musician. I mean, you yes. and I have seen oh, a lot of the good, world because yeah. I've talked about this on the show before. I was, I brought up the idea of, call me a socialist whatever but when you turn 18 you take a year and say the government gives you a certain amount of money or a car of a certain year yeah and you literally leave yeah leave home leave everything and go fucking find yourself find some perspective yeah meet some people do something and then come back and start your life yeah you know because touring has been invaluable for me because of what I get to see. Yeah. Even if I'm in a town I don't see much. I'm meeting people. I'm experiencing things that and you're on your own still on tour. Like you find out what you're made of. Like when I went to Europe with Portugal the man. Yeah. I had thirty dollars in my pocket. Yeah. When I left. And I was like, this could go any diff- any number of different ways. Right. And it went absolutely fine. Yeah. Met so many amazing people and perspective. I was in Mexico City a couple weeks ago. And I was asking them, like, what do you think about this wall situation? Sure. And they're like, they just went off. Like, different perspectives. Yeah. Like, I'm for it. Like, I think it's a great idea. Like, yeah. I want to keep our people here. Like, we need them. Right. Other people are like, he's an asshole. Like, 
it was interesting to see how the different take. And then one person I talked to, drunk and sober, the next day, and mm-hmm. they had a completely different yeah. view. But I think that's pretty common. It's it's nuts. It's I, nuts. Like, I would say we we did a festival last summer in Ohio, Eastern Ohio, so the corner of West uh, border of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it was a small town, and the people who ran the festival were fans of the band. They brought us out. We've never been treated better. Yeah, met the coolest people I've been around in a long time. As I mean, like just surprisingly amazing people. Yeah, uh, and had a great time. And two thirds of the people that I talked to were Trump voters, and they're the best. Like these are the indie music people of this area yeah. who are into shit that's cool and putting on festivals for people. Everything they were about was cool. And they told me their perspective, and I was like, I bet if I lived here and and grew up the way you grew up, I would yep. feel the same way. Sure. And I think that that, is, uh, that was an eye-opening thing for me, because Portland is a ridiculous bubble mm-hmm. of, like, you know, liberalism. And I, I, I generally, like, in a lot of ways, just, I'm like, yeah, totally. And then you meet people from somewhere else, and you realize, and this is something coming from Alaska, too, a lot, large part of your beliefs is just your geography. Yeah, you just are around this, and this is what's important, and it's this, and you're like, oh shit, and maybe you have never met somebody who changed your mind or yeah. at all, and like, um, and it gives you empathy, and it makes you be like, oh okay, these aren't all bad people. I'd rather have a conversation than yell at you. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But here, here, and other parts of the country that are more conservative too, that are conservative bubbles. I think that I feel like it's more just like, well, I'm going to find something to make you feel like a hypocrite about, mm-hmm. or I'm just going to yell at you. And that's, that's going to make me feel better. Yeah. But, th- but the division and the conversation doesn't change. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, oh, it's on Hulu, I think maybe Netflix, uh, Sarah Silverman saves America or whatever. I haven't. Okay. She does I, exactly that. She goes and yeah. literally camps out with a family in their house, has dinner with them, does the yeah. thing, but then brings stuff up like, so you know about this, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they're like, "Oh, that's bullshit," or, or yeah. you know, they get into a conversation, and and uh, yeah, I mean the dying, the dying art of conversation, which I mean, it's all text message now, but right, and that's what interesting. Other, the power of the podcast, exactly. We're doing good work here, buddy. We are. <laughs> 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 oh, yes yeah. and that's and see i see what you were telling me about and i want to talk about um tour punisher because yeah you guys just started this podcast it's a couple episodes in yeah tour punisher is the name of the podcast it's on everywhere stitcher, it, it, and, stitcher all and all things. that stuff um which is like tour story you were talking about like once a band that knows these stories that happen within the band yeah is gone members are gone whatever the stories are gone yeah dies with the band um i do this podcast as a journal it's mostly for my kids because who my daughter i just called a dirtbag earlier um (laughs) when i'm gone they're gonna have they already have i don't know how many a hundred something hours of dad's voice who he's talking to where he was at what he was doing that I, I mean, my music career, I was either playing guitar or screaming my head off. Sure. You can't understand a fucking word I'm saying. So they don't have that. Right. You know, I have my dad's voice from his radio shows and he's still alive. But oh, when cool. he's gone, I'll still be listening to the Big John show at Christmas. Cool. But that's kind of why I do it on top of having something creative to do and yeah. connecting with people and, and friends and meeting new people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
what you guys are doing is getting bands together, members of bands together, and doing tour stories. Like, right. And it's kind of structured for like best, worst kind of thing, or mostly worst. Like, yeah. Worst uh, meal, worst, worst club, worst sound guy. Sure. Like, which is hilarious because it, th- those bring out those those questions are kind of primers for like a yes. good story of like oh yeah then this other thing happened and then it kind of spirals but it's hard to get somebody talking sometimes about like a bad experience or whatever mm-hmm. so you just have to kind of pri- but yeah that's the ge- the general idea is a little bit like uh, the tour the stories that are amazing and the crucible of the van and the band and what mm-hmm. we had or have generally just die with the band yeah. And so there's hilarious things that have happened out there, insane things <laughs> that have happened out there. And every band has their like stories, and that's what makes the band the legend of the band or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, some bands have like a language. It's like a language of twins where they they know what they're talking about. I'm like, well, explain that fucking thing that you're saying. Like, yeah. What are you fucking talking about? Yeah. Or games or things like that totally. that they played. Uh, totally. Oh my god. There's a game. <laughs> oh oh my god what was it called um black magic okay have you heard this game no. before okay so the whole i'm gonna blow up for everyone here but basically what it was is is you know two people are in on this and basically you say you know uh pick something in the room uh and then you know leave the room pick something in the room that that you know you're gonna that's gonna be the thing and i'm gonna leave you tell this person what it is, mm-hmm. uh, and then when you pick it, I come back in. <laughs> Anyways, the whole point of the game is black magic. Is it's the th- so when you pick something black, so yeah. you say, uh, "Is it? Is it that? Nope. Is it that? Nope." And you point at something black. They know the next that that person on the inside knows that the next thing is the thing that they chose. Okay. So you can fuck with people, especially when there's drinking and drugs totally. involved. You can blow someone's fucking mind over right. and over again, and they never figure it out. <laughs> but that's the that's the trick. Yeah. Black magic. Sorry, guys. That's but awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so little shit like that to fuck with people, especially bands you don't know very well, or, right. or things like that. There's another thing with snapping, where you would snap like uh, vowels. Yeah. Things like that. Anyway, but when you like I was saying, we're professional time wasters. Yeah. Totally. I mean that you have ten hours in the van. What are you going to do? You're going to compare nut sacks and see who's the prettiest <laughs> nut sack or prettiest peach or whatever you right. want to call it, pear, right. whatever the fuck it is. Or, uh, yeah. I mean, what are some of the things you guys have? I, I, you, I know you guys did an episode as the Builders and Butchers. Right. But there was a lot of you guys there like tr- trying to get your words out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would get, it would get it caught would, by, yeah, you know, yeah. Pubes McGee or whatever. And yeah. like hilarious names. But... What are some of the things you guys? I mean, you have those that twin voice, right? That twin oh, speech. To- totally. Uh, we, God, what were we doing? We would do. We'd like a ten-hour drive once, and we wanted to see how many hundreds of personalized license plates we could come up with, uh-huh. like TMI guy, or just like <laughs> Rump Doctor, or just like really yeah. funny, like whatever. Just making, not looking for them, but making, making like making up. a list. Yeah, making a list. And it's it's a th- it's a hard thing to explain, but in the van, when shit starts to get like funny, yeah, and then it starts to like spiral, like we <laughs> like so we got in a habit of this is something we would do, and this is a little bit boring, but like it turned into a couple times it turned into funny shit. Like we'd like go on Wikipedia, okay, we're going to to Pittsburgh, okay, uh-huh. what's the worst? 
thing you could call somebody in Pittsburgh. So we had Google that. And the worst thing you can call somebody in Pittsburgh is a jag off. <laughs> you, you've heard that on the East Coast, like a jag yes. off. So we're like, oh, yeah. We're laughing. Yeah, you fucking jag off. This or that in the van on the way. And so we get to the club, pull in, and there's nowhere to park. The only place to park is next door. There's an organ donation center <laughs> with five-minute parking, and which is like you have the cooler of the organ, and you run it in yeah. and out. And so we're like, we're just going to be here. We'll pull in, load the gear on the sidewalk, and leave within five minutes. We can do that. Get ready, guys. So we pull up to, to get out, and this guard walks up. He's like, hey, you know, you can't, like, uh, you can't park here. And we're like, come on, man. We'll be like five minutes. We're just going to get that. We've been on the road like 10 hours. We're just burned. He's like, no, you need to get it. Get out of here, man. And he's like standing 20 feet away from the window under the window down. I'm like, come on, man, please. He's like, no, you need to leave the van right now. Get it out of here. And I was like, man, don't be a don't be a fucking jack off. <laughs> <laughs> and he runs at the van. <laughs> and so I like wind up the window. And lock the door. It's a wind up window. And That's as I'm pulling hard. out, there's this dead silence in the van and everybody's like i can't believe you fucking said that to him man (laughs) as you were saying like starting that story i was like oh god and then you figure out what it is and you get pulled over in that state and say it to someone of authority right that's genius yeah guard yeah anyway so that's like we, we would pull up to we'd pull up to like uh toll booths and be like the toll like hey what's your favorite sandwich like, or like who start small talk with yeah, the fuck just, person that can't do it yeah or like hey who'd win in a knife fight between kentucky and delaware <laughs> i just like think of the most random ass questions to Dude. ask people uh and just things that like are just funny in they're like funny in the van yeah yeah anyway it's funny that that can translate to to other people because sometimes it can't like there's yeah. like these are fucking idiots, man. Right, like, right. Did you ever do Mad Libs? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. fuck yeah. Yeah, we did. We did some Mad Libs. I can't remember any particular Mad Lib moments. Do you guys ever play Wizard Staff on the road? No, we played Mad Libs and got in arguments like fights over what could it was be an adjective. Nick Klein created Beverly as an av- adjective. Like, as in, like I, I Beverlyed. I, I walked Beverly around. Like what? Like he would, <laughs> he would argue this. Oh God, that's good. To the death, and it finally like we started throwing Beverly out there as a fucking adjective. <laughs> it just did, it finally made it. But we would get in near fist fights over fucking Mad Libs. Yeah, because it's because it's, it's almost important. like be, it's almost like being in prison. It's like this this mm-hmm. these two smokes are what I have. <laughs> yeah. And if you, you take these away, my ramen, man. If you fucking. take these away from me, um, can I shut that door really quickly? What? Oh. Can, can I just shut that door really quick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One second. You really you really shut that Beverly. <laughs> Thank you. I tried. <laughs> See, Joe Rogan does this same thing when someone gets up to piss and he just makes fun of them the whole time while they're gone. Oh, yeah, yeah no, we just keep rolling. Yeah, that's the Man, that's the that curse of the three hour podcast. Exactly. It's like where it's like, how long can you fucking hold this? Twice a week. Twice <laughs> you piss twice a week. <laughs> You're like a fucking camel. <laughs> what is wizard wizard what? Wizard staff is where you um this is not I'm gonna tell you what wizard staff is and then tell a story. This is okay. this is murder by death's story. Um wizard staff is you buy hundreds of beers. And then you drink a beer, 
and then you tape the full beer onto the onto the empty beer, and then you drink that, and then you tape. <laughs> so by the end of the night, you you know you have like your staff. Your staff. And there's all these rules like that you you have to shotgun the seventh beer, uh-huh. which that's the f- most fucked up rule. Uh, and then the first two people to get to ten beers. Uh, they have a physical challenge and the winner is the white wizard. <laughs> and then like, there's one where like at 17 beers, you can fly and at 19 beers, you can drive. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but this is the murder by death uh-huh. story that they would always tell. And it was just hilarious because they were playing wizard staff in this hotel room and they were drunk, like, you know, yeah. and they're being loud and the cops got called. And so the cops knocked on the door. One of them opens it, and the cop's like, what's going on in here? And the guy's like, wizard staff. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, idiot. You jag off. And he's like, uh, what's that? <laughs> and so he's like, well, you, you, know, you drink a beer, and then you tape the next beer to the other beer, and then you tape, you know, you make like a staff like that. Uh-huh. And the cop goes, man, that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> Could you try to do it a little bit more quietly? <laughs> this sounds fucking awesome. That's, he was like the cop from Superbad. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like that. Big love it. No That way. sounds fucking awesome. Fucking shooting guns off. God yeah. damn it. I remember uh, the Edward Forty Hands. Yeah, Edward that Forty Hands. That was like a was, party game before touring, but. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen people <gasps> do major damage with Edward Forty Hands. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. You can't make, the Wizard Staff. The Wizard Staff That's is amazing. It's a professional band. Drinking game. Murder by death. Wizard Murder by staff. death. Yeah. Those guys have some good stories too. Dude, this is genius. Yeah. This is genius. We had, yeah, I, man, I can't even remember about the, we, there was one thing, Hollywood Haircut was one, one game What's where Hollywood Haircut? it was with Bear vs. Shark. Okay. And they started this thing where you just walk up to someone and say, hey, that's a nice Hollywood haircut. <laughs> and before, <laughs> before you finish saying cut, you choked, you grabbed them and tried to choke them out. Whoa. So you'd literally be like, hey, that's a nice Hollywood haircut. <laughs> and they're literally just like, like, and they would do it the whole tour. It was fucking Whoa. weird. <laughs> it was weird. It was that. And then the other one where they just come and hit you in the nuts anytime they could on stage or off. <laughs> that sucked because that made some anxiety right there. We, we, we would... <laughs> Whenever we're in LA, we would like stop at a stoplight and somebody's crossing in front of us and it was a guy. Mm-hmm. We would roll down the windows and just go like LA guy, LA guy. Just serenade him with guess he's walking across the side of that thing. I swear guitar center goes to break goes to lunch at noon. What the fuck are you doing out here? Dude, the okay, so oh my god. We had we had this. What was it? It was with Fear for the March of Flames, Anatomy. Someone pissed mm-hmm. on our van, like stood on, on the hood and pissed all over our van. Uh huh. I don't remember how this started. I'm pretty sure that's how it started, but I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> I think it was Nick took a shit. <laughs> In the toilet in the venue, uh-huh. took the shit out of the toilet and smeared it all over their fucking van. Wow! Like the windows. Wow! They had a bad seal in one of those <laughs> windows, and it was literally <laughs> coming into the van. They oh were my. really upset. Oh my! It's like, funny. Nick when, always took it too far. It's funny when you're like, 
doing that thing. Yeah. And then you cross the line. Yes. You know, it's like, we, hey, man, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, we literally had to drive 10 hours smelling shit because wow. it was literally getting into the vents and stuff. Oh, my God. We had another one called bear ass. Okay. Bear assing was if you did something that uh, warranted mm-hmm. getting a bear ass in front of as many people as possible, we would tackle you. Mm-hmm face down pull your pants down and beat the shit out of your ass with our fists <laughs> and there was some guys that got into it more than others and were literally like henry rollins the guy in the front of the crowd fucking punching that ass yeah and you're literally your fucking ass was like your balls were bouncing <laughs> oh off the concrete because you were getting pummeled oh to your god. ass was fucking blood red oh my god that's a different Bare time ass. man it was a different time you could yeah. do that in a mall parking lot back yeah. then <laughs> or a walmart parking lot that's right Anyways, we're what was your do you have a do you have a memory of being in a sleeping in a Walmart parking lot and like a bad thing happening? Oh, like like, you know what I mean? I had a few bad experiences in Walmart. The one was my birthday in San Antonio. And it was the the crops in Mexico were on fire. So all the sky was orange. It was Uh already like 90 percent humidity. It was like this blanket was over us. Like some of the guys, Nick Klein. I think Joe slept like almost naked underneath the van on the concrete. Yeah. And we thought we were going to die. But I don't no remember anything really bad happening. I, we've stayed in, I've been circled before by like a cleaning of somebody, just like, well, they'll just drive around your van uh-huh. all night until you leave. They won't like say you need to leave, they'll just drive around. Interesting. You. We've had, we had some uh, dudes, uh, we heard gunshots in Houston, and then a dude fucking peeling out with no back window. Whoa. Uh, but that was like, we were still trying to, are we going to sleep here or not tonight? <laughs> we used to have the Ram McNally Atlas. Walmart yeah. made their own with the Walmarts on it. Yeah. And we called it the embassy because anywhere you go, any country or state you've never been to or city, yeah. the embassy is there and it's 24 hours with a bathroom, video games, and food. There you go. So we lived by that. Yeah. Like Walmart saved our ass so many times yeah. as much as we hated it. It was amazing. Hold on one second. Uh, you can come in. Open the door. Hey, darling. Good night, sweetie. Come and give me a hug. <laughs> Tell mom we're just about to finish up, okay? In a little bit. Give me a hug. It was nice meeting you, Clementine. Can you say good night? Good night. Good night, world. Good night, world. You're going to have some tour stories of your own sometime. Yes. Can you go upstairs and meet with mama? What? What's that? Tell her we're going to be finishing up in a little bit. Well, I will. I will. I promise. Good night, honey. Bye, morning. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Good night. Good night, Clementine. I will. <laughs> They're delicious. They're the princess kind? They're the princess kind oh of Oh, my God. My kids only eat the extra cheddar ones or whatever, extra. the orange. Yeah, the orange. orange is unnaturally orange. Exactly. Um, <sighs> okay. <laughs> I feel like we've taken so many tangents. We have. But it's good. Is, I love this stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, this is, this is, usually I'll make like two pages of notes mm-hmm. just to do my due diligence, especially with someone I've never spoken to before. And I won't use them. Right. I've only had to use them one time, and I cut it off after 20 minutes because it was so awful. I said, hey, okay, then. This has been great. Right. Otherwise, I'll just close the book usually. Right. But I it's have a security to blanket. Exactly. 
With yeah. this one, I didn't because oh, thanks, we man. have so much to talk about and we've known each other for so long. This is the, true. The Piranhas thing, though. We the Piranhas. Talking, I want to go back to the Piranhas thing because it was one of the most intense, the one of the most intense moments of my life. I want to Battle hear Royale. Yeah. Yeah. It was in this house in Selwood. Yeah. Okay. Battle Royale. The movie. The movie. Watch it now. Pause the podcast. Watch it now. Come back to us. Crazy movie about kids in Japan, China, wherever it was, uh, are all given a duffel bag with one weapon, mm-hmm. whether it be a cupcake or a uh, stick or a frying pan or a machine gun, mm-hmm. and they have a collar on that can be detonated at any time. That movie's on the TV. Mm-hmm. And you guys just got piranhas. Yeah. In a tank next to the next TV. to the TV. <laughs> and we're sitting there. It was after a band practice. We we're sitting there. <laughs> and all I remember is looking at the TV going, Oh, oh when someone got killed or blown up. And then all of a sudden turning to the side saying, Oh, oh, when a piranha would attack these gold dump goldfish in there and, and the piranhas just, would attack. It was like amazing. It was the I was like this like yeah, it was like this ultra boner moment of just like masculine was, power. Yeah, it was all testosterone happening. Yeah. I it guess was, it's not as it's not as amazing no, it's, as when it I is, say it out loud. It is amazing. But it was you had to be there because yeah. it was literally like the most intense cinematic thing you've ever seen and then real life shit. Real life like shit. Like nature. Yeah. Destroying these goldfish. And the funny thing is like that plot of that movie is like, uh, that's the craziest shit ever. What the fuck? That's a goldfish's life. Yeah. Is Battle Royale. Exactly. <laughs> it ties into so many things. Yeah. It tells me things. Anyways, but that that whole turtle thing. When I was pulling up here, completely just was like, oh, that's so flashback to, oh, 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 oh. Like, it must have sounded to the neighbors like we were watching like 17 (laughs) different Dick Buckus highlight reels, like just fucking, oh my God, oh Jesus. I just drove by that house the other day. Did you? Yeah. Okay. It seems it's still there. (laughs) I do drive by the the brick shit house quite often because it's easier to get out of that area than go back to Hawthorne. That's right. Isn't it? I mean,. This is like an inside baseball for only Portland, whatever's, but like Portland is so that that area and division is like what is happening. Yeah. There? It's, it's crazy. blowing up and the Oregon Theater is still there. It that and 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 um uh Real Amen is still there. Yeah. Yep. So those are the two those are the two those book <laughs> bookends of dirtbaggery for the middle yuppiness. And then, yes. Absolutely. And then you have Steam Portland right there with the sunroof. Where they're building a condo building right next to it. Like you could reach out and touch it and like hand them a drink. It's so weird. It's going to be amazing. It's it's weird how all this, I mean, this is a whole other thing, but like it's weird how this culture of creativity and whatever, blah, 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 turns into that. Yeah. And then the creativity is gone. Yep. And all these people are like, oh, I thought I moved somewhere cool. It's like, it was. (laughs) It was. There was the the tube downtown. Yeah. I don't know if you guys played there or not. Yeah, sure. Okay. They used to bus in yuppies from Beaverton. Just so it would be. Just get off the bus, literally. Yeah. And hop in there and destroy that place. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening. Like, once something's cool enough to become popular enough to grab some more mainstream attention, the mainstream eats it. It's like what you're saying in Seattle with the grunge movement. Yeah. And they signed everyone who looked like Nirvana, sounded like Nirvana, yeah. or anything hinted of Nirvana. Signed them up. Gave him a three-record deal, a bunch of fucking money. I talked to Dale from the Melvins about this the other day because he literally, that's all it was. Like, you guys 
You guys, you guys kinda, want some money to yeah. put out a couple records? Yeah, we'll do okay. this with money for a little while. Sure. Yeah. I think that's what happens. Same it's, thing. I saw a Japanese frenzy. I saw a Japanese tour bus parked in the middle of Alberta and everybody was out taking pictures of hipsters eating ice cream at Salt and Straw. Like literally just taking pictures of people eating ice on cream. On display. On display. The hipsters on display. The hipsters on display. Man. Isn't that like weird? 90 degrees out with a beanie hat on. Fucking. Yeah, totally. Oh my God. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. All right, we need to wrap this thing up. It's this weird is, to we end it so dark. Thing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, we went on so many different tangents and like, I feel like we went a lot of places. It felt, feels good though. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's exercising the mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, as well as the hips. So, <laughs> uh, what's next for Billers and Butchers for yeah. you? You got uh, this great house in this cool little thanks, neighborhood. You've got, yeah. you've got your kid, you've got your wife. Yeah. Let's a see. A badass backyard you're going to be building on. I mean, what, what I, does the world have to see from Ryan? I'm going on tour uh, in a couple weeks to Germany. Okay. For, for two weeks. With Alex? With from uh, <laughs> did you tour with Alex? Alex, the tour manager over there that rents no, the we never, we never, okay. we heard about Alex. Okay. He recommended us to our first tour manager, uh, who it was anyway. He's a nice guy. Yes, okay. And uh, and then since then we bring our friend Boone, who used okay. to do sound for Portugal, Boone Howard. yeah. Uh, and he TMs and does sound, and he is the best. Okay, he's just on point. Uh, we're bringing our friend Adrian, who does a band called Autopilot is for Lovers. Mm-hmm. And she's going to open for us, and we're super excited about that. Excellent. And then just a handful of, we're doing some festivals and some little stuff for the rest of the year, but um, I'm going to start writing songs okay. for another record. Fantastic. For number six. Number six. That's right. Are you going to release on your own? Are you going to do? We, do we, we Our label has been great. Our last three records have been a, a Bad Man rec- Records out of mm-hmm. Portland. Um we're actually playing their 20-year anniversary. Uh, they do like Starfucker, and mm-hmm. um, they're they're great band, uh, great label. And so I I'm very happy with them. Okay. Um, and so if we put it out, I'm pretty sure it'll be out on on them. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So Builders and the Butchers is the band, uh, and Tour Punisher is the podcast. Yeah. The um. Yeah. That's and we're, we've been doing a bunch of episodes of Tour Punisher too. There's a bunch in the can, so Good. we're trying to really push that as like our our thing. It feels like a very like dad thing to do now. Dude, like, <laughs> that's just... bands are a pain in the ass. <laughs> yes, podcasts they are. are like they can do that. <laughs> that's a that's a good that's a good analogy because yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100 percent because especially the excitement around it. I mean, yeah. kids are getting excited about them, but. Dads are getting excited Dads about are them, really especially excited about that's life. something you can do and then go home at night. Totally, it's just, it's yeah. like two. I can get two hours a week and I could talk to somebody that I like and we can have good laughs. Yeah, it's great. We got our first beer sponsor. We got our first sponsor. Excellent. Yeah, we got a beer sponsor. Uh, we're yeah, I'm super excited about that. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Check out Tour Punisher uh, right now. Is what four episodes in? Three, there's, four. There's three that are published. Another okay. one is landing next week, and then we just recorded one with our uh, pals in the Decemberists. So that's okay. that was a great one. It's super fun. Um, and we're gonna keep rolling. Yeah. Okay. Right on, man. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, this. It's been really fun. Awesome. We'll have you on again for a part two because we got so much more. To talk <laughs> so, yeah, to, but... we got like a whole other turtle Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> Traveled by Turtles. Yeah. Shout out. I've never heard that band, but that band name is awful. Um, sorry. <laughs> They're better than the name. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Thank you, Ryan. All right. <laughs>
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ryan Soley, my good friend from the Builders and Butchers back home in Alaska. Uh, we have known each other for going on over 20 years, it seems like to me. Uh, seems like a fair assumption since we've been playing shows together and, and all that. So uh, it was great to have him on. He was one of my original guests I wanted to have on the show. I like the first 10, but uh, here we are in episode 82 having him on, but uh, better late than never. Anyways, the Builders and Butchers are still touring and playing shows. They've got some new merchandise, uh, new record. I mean, they're just doing lots of lots and lots of really cool things. So check out the Builders and Butchers on the socials. Check out Ryan. Uh, he's got all sorts of stuff up on YouTube with different uh, bootlegs and things like that of, of different performances that he does solo work. Um, just a good all-around dude. I'm so glad to bring him to you guys. Uh, if you have not heard him already, uh, I'm glad you are hearing him here first. So uh, anyways, we are on PeerPleasurePodcast.com, like I say, and uh, we're going to sign off here and let you guys get back to your day. So as always, we'll see you on the radio. Hey, this is Blasco, host of Manage Mental, part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Manage Mental brings you our takes on the modern day music business and how we mentally approach the profession of management. Join Mike Mowry and myself as we cover hot topics in the industry, answer fan questions, provide insight on sales numbers, and showcase new music with a slant toward developing artists. Listen and subscribe at jabberjawmedia.com.